You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Hartigan Stapes and Broughton invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. Coming up on today's show, we welcome our permanent third host, Matt Broughton. Hang on, hang on, I've got to flick the switch. Hang on, hang on, just boot up, Broughton. Powering now. Hello, everybody. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I always called James my uh, my work wife and you my abusive stepdad, but it was kind of like you were my work mom's abusive boyfriend who would only sleep over sometimes, but now you've actually moved in. <laughs> I'm not going to make you call me dad. Don't worry. <laughs> that was a really I'll never call you dad. Never. Really complicated and also really disturbing metaphor. Thank you for that. <laughs> a, little dis- a little disturbing. I used to fantasize about having a broken home growing up. Here we go. Matt is here <laughs> to help us recap our brand new top five this week, which are the top five biggest mistakes. Boy, there's a lot of places we could go with that, with some of the commentator hires, uh, with some of the destinations we've chosen. But it, I guess we're focusing on mistakes on the felt. Yes. I mean, are, are the buffets, are any of the buffets going to feature in that? Because there's been some huge buffet mistakes over the years that we've made, just just between the three of us. Some of Joe's right swipe mistakes. I mean, there's really anywhere we could have gone with that. Tomorrow, are the is the is the American Poker Awards? Are the American Poker Awards? I don't know. And I've been blasting social media with hype for your... I I actually thought you were asking us, are the American Poker Awards tomorrow? I thought you'd forgotten when they're taking place. It it was a grammar question, but... And one of the tweets I posted this week uh, about... like I was mentioning how I've been doing these four-year consideration ads. Yeah. uh, And in one of them, I I tagged the wrong hotel. (laughs) (laughs) See? That could have been a top five mistake. And uh, speaking of mistakes, uh, I messed up. Remember how I was supposed to go to um, the home game on uh, uh, Valentine's, Valentine's Day? Day. Yep. And they canceled it. Well, then I was supposed to go to a home game with a poker star, an old poker star's executive, yes. and I actually got the day of the week wrong, so I missed it. <laughs> it was like that. Um, remember that episode of Curb where he's like, they show up to the party a day early, yes. and then they're like, "Well, you still must be free. Like, let's hang out." Like, I had a situation like that develop, oh, and no. then. And then last night, I also didn't go to a home game because I met these two hot German girls in a bar on Friday, and um, they didn't know how to play poker, so I didn't go to that home game. But I did do some poker-related stuff with that. More on that later in the show. Uh, as always, we got a couple of movies and TV shows to talk about. Uh, and there is a brand-new Twitch.tv star on the horizon. His name is Mike McDonald, and he is taking it, taking it to the streets, the streets of poker, and the streets of poker in the ears. He is today's guest. And finally, this week's super fan is Jules Redding, and his specialty subject is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Matt Broughton, are you in the Joe Stapleton camp that you believe that this movie is fucking phenomenal? I think it's fucking phenomenal. And I was really so chuffed to have a great excuse to just say, and this is what we're watching again tonight. It's just <laughs> needless to say, I mean, it's a great film anyway, but the fact it's so nerdy and video game tunes and references, it's just right up my valley from start to finish. James, have you seen the movie? I have. I've seen it once, and I'm sorry. I'm probably a minority who think it's fine. I enjoyed it, but <sighs> I don't think it didn't think it didn't blow me away. And it's not a movie I want to watch again and again. I'd settle for fine, but what really pisses me off is I'll see like a Facebook post every once in a while. I'll be like, "Oh, this Scott Pilgrim film is shite." Oh, it's not shit. It's, it's not at all. No, it's 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 very it's it's good. It's a good film. Well, it's it's always someone that would use the word shite. Oh, you know I what see. I mean? Yeah. If that makes sense to I you. Uh, hey, let's welcome to the show Matt yes. Broughton. And Thank what, you. What, Woo! I Thank noticed you. now we we do the show so we can see each other a little bit, and Matt is without an eye patch. 
I am without an eye patch, although I did wear some glasses on the way here that I don't need to wear anymore because it just felt like I needed some layer of protection because I thought it would just be me that I swing in to show everyone my new eye and someone like elbows me in the face and it falls out. Or, you know, like someone puts the coat on <laughs> and the, the edge of a zip just scratches it and, and voids it because the warranty is good, but not for long. So, but you're all healed up. You can see fine. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, I'm not entirely. I'm not entirely healed up. I got well this where the shield to bed, which you can only imagine what an eye shield is like sleeping in. It doesn't make things very easy. Do you look like a superhero? I wish I, I hasn't got any superpowers yet. I, I was going to ask: Do you walk around your house doing Nick Fury lines <laughs> and thus no. infuriating your wife? The thing is, my eye patch isn't quite as cool as Nick Fury is. Like, it's not that kind of leather grizzle thing. It's like this little material thing from a chemist, and it's not. It's not very cool. And of course, I, I, of course, then open myself up to, whereas I think I'm Nick Fury, everyone thinks I'm a pirate. So, it's, right. you know, Nick Fury is a lot cooler in my mind than any kind of pirate. But I did want to put some genuine thanks out because obviously as I went through the ordeal of having my second eye replaced, because, you know, I get lots of compliments about perhaps looking younger than I am, but that's just because since the age of 40, anything that breaks, I replace. So, you know, <laughs> I've got a new knee, I've got a new elbow, both eyes are not my own anymore, which is a kind of strange thought, really. But I put some pictures up and I just wanted to give a quick shout because there were lots and lots of our familiar names on Twitter that sent me genuine well wishes. So thanks for those. But then, of course, the other kind of comments one gets on Twitter started. Oh, our God. friend Simon Baker, not, not the mentalist, the mentalist. Uh, said, how long will the server be down or will it be complete in time for poker in the ears? Not poker in the eye. Yes. Undersea <laughs> Monkey, our old friend, said Borg ocular implants. Pedro, our media, never misses an opportunity. He said, hopefully the restart won't be as painful as your laptop Windows one was. Thanks very much. <laughs> Neil, nice Harrison. Neil Harrison just sent me a, a, a gif of the Eye of Mordor. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, Spike D chipped in with, are you John Connor? And then Tony Turner-Alvarez, there wasn't even a competition going on, but I love the fact she just said, patch it, which was brilliant <laughs> because... It's got both the cyborg reference from a software point of view and, of course, the eye gag. So I followed that up with the eye patch and then just got Steve Marks started off with an R. How many pieces of silver did that operation set you back? And then I got about 600 hilarious pirate gifts. So when anyway, you say hilarious, you <laughs> mean tedious. And, <laughs> and as I was actually walking around the house with an eye patch on, not really much appreciated. But thanks anyway. Uh, while we're on the subject of tweets, by the way, thank you to everyone who's applied to be a future super fan. Thank you for all your specialty subject suggestions. I think we've got a few saved up now. Uh, nice try. Christopher Bean, by the way, who thinks he can come back on because the podcast now has a new name. <laughs> As you can tell from the episode number, this is an ongoing show, an ongoing series. No, you do not get second dibs. And if you really think that we're going to light the touch paper by allowing anyone to answer questions about Donald Trump, you've got another <laughs> oh. thing coming, pal. I actually, I knew that Donald Trump wasn't going to fly, but you almost made it, Chris, because my memory is so bad. I didn't remember you had been on the show before. I <laughs> was just like, they're just never going to go for Trump questions. <laughs> uh, look, I, I mentioned that I wanted to go to this home game last night because I finally yeah. wanted to talk about playing some poker on the show. And uh, as I said, uh, Friday night, I went, I was out with my, uh, my roommate and my best friend, and we met a couple of girls that were visiting from Germany. And I never expected to hear from, obviously, we tried to get them to come back to my place. Oh, <laughs> Obviously, they said no, mm -hmm. but what was less obvious is the next day they got in touch and they're like, we actually kind of regret not hanging out with you guys more. Uh, what are you up to tonight? So they ended up coming to my stand-up show Saturday night, 
And then last night they wanted to hang out and I was like, do you play poker? Let's go to this home game. And they're like, no, we don't know how to play. It's like, all right, forget it. We'll just go out in Hollywood. So I ditched the poker game for these two girls. But I ended up going to this event, this Rocket League and beer event that Adam Levy was putting on. What? Because, yeah, he's left the poker world and now he works for a marketing company and they're trying to get like esports events going in bars. They're like, you know, if there's pub poker leagues, why can't there be pub Rocket League? Wow. Fair and enough. So, yeah, so I went to the, to this thing, and the girls came and met up, and then I looked over, and he was like, oh, this is my friend Gordon, and it was Gordon Vio or Veo. The guy the who dude. was at the World Series main event final table. Right, and so like I was like, wouldn't it be great for our show if I just asked him, like, what's the deal with the rumors that you're the one that spread the rumors that uh, Will Kasuf made Stacey Madison cry? I did not have the balls to ask yeah. him. Oh, joke! I did on. not. I did not ask him. I actually didn't even uh, like really speak to him very much. But I was sitting there with these two girls, and I was explaining like Adam Levy used to be one of the best online poker players in the world. When in walks in a guy, and I'm like, oh, that is the best online poker in the poker player in the world. And Chris Mormon came into the bar, and so we had this weird little poker rendezvous in LA because oh. LAPC is going on right now. So everybody's here for LAPC and the American Poker Awards, which are uh, for tomorrow. Now, what I wanted to ask you guys, they're going on tomorrow night. Yeah. I, I kind of want to obviously, in case I win, have something prepared. I'm not really, I don't think that good off the cuff and I would not. Quick question. Are you involved yeah. in the show this year? Because last year you were kind of doing break segments or something. I'm just a guest this year. Okay. So, um, you were handing yeah, so out I'm like hot towels weren't you like in between courses or something i can't remember I what it was i was the guy who is showing people which way to walk off stage because they're so overwhelmed <laughs> uh, no excuse me this this way sir uh this this way kara with my award um so I'm yeah gonna, so ask us the genuine question because i'm gonna give you a genuine answer i promise i'm not gonna mock or troll or, or say anything stupid well i want the, the genuine question is that like i need to i want to prepare something just in case i win you see i don't think you should and do you know why? Because I think you'll be much more natural and much funnier and sound much better if you just wing it. I, I'm i not a big fan of winging it, but I know that everybody else says the opposite, that I'm better at winging it than writing it. But. <laughs> Is there an expectation to be funny? Like, could you not just go up there and say, well, thanks ever so much. This is wonderful. Like, do you, I know that you, because if you just go up there and just say thanks, it's very hard for even you to get that wrong. Whereas, if you go up there... <laughs> exactly. you got the prepared speech. You can only fuck it up. You can only fuck it up. And if you're trying to be funny, then you will either be funny or you won't. Whereas saying thank you, you kind of can't go wrong. But I'm asking this because genuinely, I've never really watched it before. Is everyone that goes up standing up there for five minutes being hilarious? Uh, no, 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 no. Not being hilarious. I mean, most people are being genuine. But I kind of feel like if I win an award, probably for what mostly will be my sense of humor to go up and like not I, I do feel there's an expectation for that which is why i was going to pitch you guys this idea i was going to dedicate my speech to this fake non-existent old dead jewish guy who recently died and he's been my joke writer for years like morty finkelstein and he's he helped me with such class and have like a photo of him and just say i want to dedicate this award to morty it would only work if it was gary turnbuckle <laughs> Gary Turnbuckle, fine. I dedicate this award. Gary Turnbuckle, all of, hey, and to be perfectly honest, guys, all it takes in a chip is a chip in a chair. That wasn't me. That was Gary Turnbuckle. <laughs> it was still, 
<laughs> it was still 2011, but he's just he was my ghostwriter. And this one's for you, Gary. Pour my drink out on the stage. I probably won't do that, but uh, <laughs> hey. And the good news is, it's not gonna fucking matter because I'm not gonna win. That always helps in these kind of situations. I was actually thinking of saying, if I do, I just walking out and being like, hey, I'm so glad it was my turn. Uh, okay, so uh, just really quick now, J- James, you did you see John Wick too? Did you go to the movies? No, no. Ironically, completely apropos of our conversation last week, guess who got in contact with me and asked me to go and see John Wick two with him tonight? Griffin Benger. Yes, exactly. He's like, I'm back in London this week. It seems like it's the right thing to do because we saw John Wick one together, but then he cancelled on me on the eleventh hour. So I'm not going to go and see it tonight oh, after all. Shit. Well, at least he cancelled. What, he cancelled, like, today? Uh, he cancelled late last night, actually. He's uh, he's staying up in the north of England, but he's really keen to make a date so we can go and see it together. I mean, there's no danger of you seeing it without him dragging you to the theatre, so... Absolutely. Otherwise, Matt, I would just wait seen... for it to come on TV like I do all other movies these <laughs> days. Matt, have you seen it yet? No, I haven't seen it, and I'd be honest, it's probably not the sort of thing I would go to a cinema. I'm like, kind of, there are, there are films that I'm like, got to see that on the big screen... Or I'll just wait until I get it on my medium-sized screen at home. But, I mean, if it's homework, I can always justify a night out. <laughs> Got it. Uh, just one last time. I finished Goliath last week. Oh, yeah. The show is so good. Every single actor in it is amazing. Even, like, you'd think these, like, little side actors that are going to phone it in. They're so freaking good. I cannot recommend that show highly enough. Enough entertainment and Stapes talk. Let's get to some real poker news. Let's do it. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Ears News. And Joe, you're going to kick off this segment. Yes, because I read on Twitter this week, and I don't exactly follow Poker News super close, but uh, this was such a feat that it made its way onto my Twitter feed. Mike Leah, Go Leaves Go A, one of the nicest dudes that we deal with on the tour, and a guy who's like a little bit unsung, I would say. Won the $1,100 No Limit event in Canada this week at Falls View for the third year in a row. The first year, he beat a field of 649. The second year, he beat a field of 1,305 players. This year, the field was 1,524 players. Unbelievable. Now, I know we've had, look, Dan Coleman had a $20 million year and Fader Holes had a $17 million year. To me, this feat is is. Maybe not as uh, momentous dollar amount wise, but to win that same tournament three years in a row with such huge field, it's definitely worth noticing. That is absolutely insane. That's 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 a great lead story in this new segment. Uh, the rest of the news is a little bit um, poker stars TV centric, but I think people are going to like this one. Uh, we are going to be filming in Monte Carlo when we go to the Poker Stars Championship there in late April a new cash game miniseries called the Poker Stars Championship Cash Challenge. Yes, and. Coming soon, in fact, from this coming Monday, the 27th of February, we are going to start the search for two PokerStars players to come to Monte Carlo and compete in that game against the pros. We have basically got a format, Joe, that you're going to know very well because it's very similar to the big game, which obviously was a big hit back in 2010, 2011. We are going to stake two qualifiers to play in a game against the pros and potentially win 
get to keep any money above their starting stack that they win in a 150 hand session. Now, when you say that we're going to stake it, do you mean the three of us? Is that why I've been invited to join on a more permanent <laughs> basis? Because you want to like Welcome. just split the? <laughs> Hang on a minute. How much yeah. am I in for? Like, uh, I need more details. Dig into your pockets, Matt, because oh. we are going to be staking two players, twelve thousand five hundred euros each, to play in a 2550 game, which, like the big game, will play pot limit pre-flop, no limit post-flop, with the qualifier expected to play 150 hands, and qualification will run from Monday the 27th of February to Sunday the 5th of March. There are going to be three free rolls a day. There's going to be $1,000 in the prize pool, so there's every reason to play these free rolls, even if you don't want to be on the show. And you can enter these games using special tickets. And basically, the tickets are available by depositing $30 or more using the code CASHCHALLENGE. And the free rolls kind of mimic the format of the show because they're going to be six max. They're going to be timed tournaments with fixed blinds. So they'll play a little bit like a cash session, which is limited to a certain number of hands. That is that is very wise. That was always one of my issues uh, when we were doing the show uh, before. I was like, why are we having people win tournaments to win their way onto a cash game show? And I see like having a timed tournament is essentially like a cash game with a finite end. Precisely. So the top 20 finishers in each free roll, the people who make the most profit on their starting stack will then advance to the casting stage we'll ask them to submit a two minute audition via video uh, we'll shortlist the best candidates from there and after an interview process two winners will be selected they will get a buy into the cash game they'll get return flights for two people to come to monte carlo four nights stay at the meridian and 500 euros in spending money credited to their stars accounts James, please, 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 and maybe we can have a democratic system this time since there's three people to vote as far as co-hosts go. Please, can we show some of the audition videos and play the audio on the show? Please. Maybe. I'm going to give you a maybe on this time. It's not my decision. It's going to get referred up to management, and you know what they're going to say. Uh, we can't make we can't make fun of our customers. They're weak. We can't make fun of our fan base. Yes, we can. The other people will like it. But crucially, if you want to play on TV, if you want to play in a cash game, if you want to try and qualify for this, you've got from the 27th of February to the 5th of March to take part in this. And of course, all the full details will be on the special offers page at PokerStars.com. I'm really excited about this. Not just the fact that we're giving two people the chance to come to Monte Carlo. I'm excited about the fact that finally, and you and I, Joe, know we've been trying for the last three years. We've got a cash game series coming back to TV. I know. I'm so excited about that. I really am. Uh, I, you know, look, I think things are cyclical, right? And so at the moment, I am sick cyclical of tournament poker, and I'm really excited to, uh, to just to, not only to do it commentary, but to watch new cash game poker on TV. Like, I'm all about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, And the other thing I just want to throw out there quickly uh, before we introduce our guest on the podcast is the PokerStars TV home game. I'm sure you're sick of us banging on about it now, but Matt, you and I are going to be playing a variety of games and we're going to be streaming on Twitch next Thursday. Yeah, I've just got to move. There's a couple of clothes areas with some like bras and knickers on it that I'm just uh, (laughs) trying to make uh, some room in the Broughton studio area for you. But uh, I'm sure I'm sure there's another chair somewhere in my house that I can bring up. So as long as you I think the only problem I'm likely to is really James's expectation of the level of uh, security, professionalism and comfort that I can offer him from the Broughton studio area. 
He can't even promise that a dog won't wander by. That's fine. Look, I, I have no expectations. I'm tagging along for the ride because I enjoy when Matt does his thing on Twitch. I'm hoping that many of uh, our podcast listeners and Pokestars TV viewers can join us for the night. Uh, just a quick reminder, the club ID, if you want to join the club, is 2046120. The invitation code is Uncle Daddy, all one word, all lowercase. One thing I should say, because I remember this from last time, Matt, loads of people joined the club and didn't realise that you then still have to register yeah. for the tournaments themselves. So you do actually have to register and pay the entry fee to join the games. Remember, we've got a variety of games throughout the night, starting with the $1 warm-up, then we've got the $5 main event uh, so make sure you register for those games as well after joining the club and of course the whole evening will be live streamed on twitch which brings me on to someone who has become the new star of twitch new to the game getting out the gates fast he is the guest on this week's edition of poker in the ears we welcome mike mcdonald Thanks for having me on the show. How's it going? We're we're good, thank you. Mike, you're in you're in Canada, but not the usual part of Canada, right? You're not at home. Uh, I actually am at home. I was I was just in Niagara Falls for uh, two days, and now uh, back home just for a day. So I'm guessing your uh, prediction that your Falls view more like Bad View hotel room is lucky <laughs> did not come true. I mean, I, I made it into the money, but I was not as lucky as I usually am when I get the lucky Bad View hotel room. And that was based on a sample size of one? Yeah, so basically, the one year I get to PCA, and as I'm sure you guys know, following poker players on Twitter, on like January 5th, you get this slew of teats being like, <laughs> not a bad view, and they show they show the view from their hotel room. And it's like, you know, eight or 15 consecutive messages of just like, you know, like, you know, blue skies, blue ocean, like, you know, palm trees. And for me, I got just the, you know, I got uh, a room in Coral, where it just looked like, you know, like a concrete jungle outside of my room. Like every way you look is just cement, cement, cement. And then I'm just like, you know, welcome back to PCA. I can't like, you know, I missed the view or, you know, something like something like that. And then, uh, you know, people thought that tweet was pretty funny. And then that was the year that I ended up getting second in PCA. So now this year in Falls View, I had an even worse view where you looked outside and it was like a, it was like a, like the, the Bahamas view. It was just like, concrete along the horizon but then above that you could at least see the sun sort of this this yeah. view was just like a uh it was like an outside like a uh, concrete cage or something like i don't even know why this exists but you couldn't see anything barely even any sunlight so i thought that was that meant i was gonna win the tournament but all i did was min cash i saw that view i seriously if that was my hotel i would paint something on the window kind of like <laughs> wiley coyote style because it is that was really gross out there See, the irony is that poker players do have that reputation for being whiny bitches on social media, but somehow, Mike, you found a way of being whiny, but also quite amusing at the same time. Yeah, no, it's kind of... I wasn't saying this to complain, like, if I actually wanted a view, I would just go complain to the hotel staff. Like, my, my experience has not really changed that much by the quality of the view. So, you know, I just thought it's funny that, like, I wasn't trying to be passive-aggressive, I was just trying to be funny because I, I probably I probably spent uh, I mean the eight seconds it took to take that picture looking out the window probably like half an hour awake in my hotel room like you know it really it really doesn't matter what the view is when I'm mostly just there to you know play poker so 
That's got to be the case for most poker players. Like the only reason that view exists is for that photo. And then otherwise, like no one experiences it. Oh, exactly. I, th I mean, I think that goes beyond just poker players. I think I think with this sort of Instagram social media generation, uh, Snapchat, like you just have a lot of people, they're not actually even trying to experience things. They're just trying to show other people that they could have experienced things if they just put away their phone. Yeah, that's the only reason I went to the Women's March. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Mike, why did you suddenly take to Twitch relatively late to the party. It's been around now for a couple of years, but you seem to have got off to a flying start. Yeah, so um, I mean, basically the uh, the main reason for taking to Twitch uh, was uh, I'm part of a company called PokerShares, which allows people to buy action on uh, various tournaments. And we thought it would be, our, we thought our site is a fantastic platform for Twitch streamers. So basically we just want to show, hey, look, I'm getting out here, I'm getting all these signups, you know, part Twitch uh, streamers can end up being partners with the site, like you know, affiliates, and we just wanted to show that this this model works for streamers, um, and then that was uh, that was the reason that I decided to try this out. Sure, but also you have, I guess, an existing fan base because obviously you've been on the circuit for years. You featured on many live streams, many TV shows. Um, does it feel weird to you that you are kind of a celebrity in this strange little world that is poker? Uh, definitely, yeah. That, that's something that uh, I think was part of why I got such a following so quickly is most of, uh, you know, even the most popular streamers, they're sort of outsiders to the poker world, if that makes sense. Like either they just play like small to mid stakes online or they play so they do so much streaming that they don't actually play the live circuit that much. But people absolutely love it when I just like you know, share a Phil Ivey story or, you know, a story involving Lucky Chewy or whoever it is, the actual faces of poker usually aren't doing a lot of streaming and people, uh, people seem to be appreciating that quite a bit. The, the actual, yes, sort of celebrity aspect of it. I've, I've grown somewhat accustomed to it, but it feels, uh, feels a little bit unnatural to me still. Like when I'm, you know, I'll, I'll just be, you know, just chilling in my hometown for two months and then I'll go to an EPT, and then the first, you know, the first time that someone asks me for a picture, I'm just like, oh, like why that happened? And then after it happens, like two, after it happens like two dozen times over the week, I'm like, like kind of like kind of used to it, I guess. But it's it's a kind of a constant readjustment since you know 99% of situations I'm you know a completely average dude, and then you know 1% of the time I'm like a poker celebrity, which is just not a. Uh, not really something I seeked out or anything, but kind of something that just happened. Mike, uh, 4,500 viewers and I won my first tournament, you tweeted the other day. Um, do you think that you could possibly piss off the other more established streamers, the fact that you're like already getting like 4,500 viewers? I, I would th I would think so. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, Achievement I mean, I unlocked. <laughs> Probably yes. <laughs> so what I would sort of say is, say if I look back to when poker was sort of in its infancy, um, or so let's say online poker was in its infancy, you know, eight, nine years ago, it seemed like most people, like, when they, like, most, like, people that were working hard were winning, and they'd just be sort of, like, happy for their, like, happy for their friends. Uh, whereas nowadays you see kind of a lot more sort of like haters and like, you know, bitter people in poker who will just see someone have success and, you know, be disappointed about it. The the vibe I get from the outside looking in is it seems like the Twitch streamers are all very supportive of each other. 
uh, you know, they're all like, oh yeah, like, you know, Jay Carver's the best, but maybe, maybe deep down they're just like, fuck, Jay Carver's streaming right now, like now I won't get any viewers. Like, I don't know how cutthroat it is behind the scenes, uh, but I know, but I know on the outside, it seems like they're all supportive of each other, but I would assume there's probably some negative things being said behind my back, just since it's, uh, you know, there's a degree of competition, and especially people who are relying, you know, relying on uh, donations and subs for their bottom line, I could see how they'd think like, oh, well, like, fuck, why is, why is Mike McDonald, like, why is Bill Perkins coming in and trying to, like, you know, cut into their bottom line? Like, I could, I could definitely uh, see some people feeling, feeling that way. Well, it's kind of like uh, for me, I see how much shit other people talk about other people to me. And I'm like, there's no way that people are talking shit about me. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like so many people like you meet them once and they're talking shit about like one of their good friends. It's like what? Yeah. I mean, what are, they, what are they saying if they barely know you? Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I, I really like about your stream, Mike, and about you in general, is that uh, you seem to take criticism pretty well. Uh, you retweet things that uh, sometimes are critical of you. You'll repeat them. Um, and I want to know, before we get to what some of those things are, when you first receive the criticism, do you have a negative reaction at first? And then you sort of repost it as a way to counteract that? Or do you just like take it as well as it seems based on like your, your ability to throw it back out there? Uh, I would say, I'd say I take it. Um, I'd say I take it as well as it seems like for, for either whether it be criticism or compliments to really be meaningful to me, it needs to come from sort of someone that I respect. Like it's like if, if someone's like, wow, Mike, you're one of the best poker players in the world. I think so highly of your game. I'm not going to lie, 99.9% of the time, I'm just thinking like, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to sound like such an asshole, but I'm just thinking like, like, how are you such an expert to distinguish my ability <laughs> from some other elite player's ability? Like, what, you don't know this game. I barely know this game well enough to distinguish like who's number one and who's number 50, kind of like how, like, you know, that's, that's kind of my, my mentality for, you know, the vast majority of people both complimenting and insulting me. Like it kind of, kind of rolls off of me. Um, when, when someone who like I look up to or someone I really respect compliments me, it means a lot. And similarly, when someone like that criticizes me, then it, you know, then it cuts a lot deeper. Uh, but when like a random Twitch troll criticizes me, I, I do not give a fuck. Like if, uh, if someone that I consider sort of like a role model is like ragging on me, uh, then that's, uh, then that, you know, that'll, it won't roll right off and I'll be, you know, I'll think about it. Um, and it, you know, upset me a, a fair bit, but the vast majority, I, I don't care what people say. That is a very healthy attitude. So my next question for you is, when your mom told you to stick to hold them, did that cut deep? <laughs> that was so funny. I was just like, and it was, my mom was trying to be so nice about it. Like, I, I mean, I think her real, I think what her real point was, is that, uh, you know, a lot of viewers don't like she was like reading the Twitch chat. A lot of viewers like don't really know the rules of Omaha. And also like I've made a name for playing Omaha or no, I've made a name for playing Hold'em more so than Omaha. Um, but I think like the, the way she, the way she phrased it and she's actually played a decent amount of Omaha. Like she's read, she's read uh, a couple like Omaha books. She's probably played a few hundred, like, you know, PLO like sit and goes and small really? things. Yeah. Like she's like, she, and she likes, she likes PLO eight for some reason. So like she really, uh, it might be she saw me playing all these high cards and assumed like I don't really know what I'm doing as far because she plays more PLO eight than PLO. Um, but yeah, so she has she actually has probably more of a clue with PLO than <laughs> than than Hold'em, which is what made it cut a little bit deep. Like you know, because she actually <laughs> sort of like 
could you know break even in three dollar <laughs> tournaments online. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it, I mean, it was. I, it was mostly just funny. As soon as I, as soon as he said that, I'm like, this is gonna make a good tweet. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, that was that was pretty funny. But it wasn't. I think she said it in good spirits, like not to rag on me too much. Or anything. <laughs> I do love how supportive your parents are, Mike, and how into poker they are. I remember you mentioned your uh, second place finish at the PCA. I remember the player party on the eve of that final table, talking to your dad, Rick, and he was talking about watching the live streams. It's like, oh, that's really nice. Then he watches Mike play when he's uh, on the feature table or at a final table and discovered, no, he's watching every live stream, regardless of whether his son is there or not. Oh yeah, he's he, like he's a he's a massive like EPT live grinder. Like he he's a, he's a huge he's a huge fan of poker. Like he I mean he played you know online poker was probably his his main hobby for you know six seven years. Like in, uh, it's basically you know he's he's played the game a ton um, and just you know loves the game loves like you know being able to like live vicariously through me and also he's you know enough it's enough guys he's like met over the years or talked to them over Twitter where, you know, he's got, he's got 20 or 30 regs that he like really roots for. And, you know, usually one of them is going to be final 30 kind of thing. So he usually has someone that he can cheer for. Do you stake your dad? Uh, no, I've like, uh, there was one, one year my dad played the world series main. Um, and I had half of his action there, but like my dad's actually been like, my dad's made probably about 80 grand from playing online poker. Um, <laughs> Like he's, I mean, it was more so like more so back in the day, uh, like I think around maybe around 2013 or so, like he sort of went from, he sort of went from making, you know, like 200 bucks a week to a hundred bucks a week to, you know, 200 bucks a month to a hundred bucks a month to breaking even to losing a hundred <laughs> bucks a month. And then he was sort of like, ah, like I like poker, but like if I, if I'm constantly, like, he eventually found he was depositing more than he was withdrawing. And then he was just like, ah, you know, I can, I can find a new hobby. Um, so he's, yeah, I've never, I've never really staked him. Like he had, he had, he actually won the ultimate bet major back in like 2009. He had a hundred percent of his action. Like, I don't think I would have bought his action <laughs> in that, but he won the whole thing. Um, so yeah, he's, uh, yeah, I've never, never uh, really staked him or anything. He just has played on his own. Well, I staked my dad and let it ride. And let me tell you, uh, it is not a winning proposition. I'm beginning to think that game is rigged against the, the player's favor there. Yeah, I'm an advantage to the house. Uh, one last question I want to ask you before we get to our game, Mike, is that uh, you now you're doing these little Twitch clips of you being, quote unquote, honest on the stream. And you told a story about how you remained a virgin for two years after you won like a million dollars on the EPT. And I was just so, so wondering. That, was, that yeah. wasn't two years after a million on the EPT. Uh, maybe like a year after that or something. So a year after your EPT win. And can I ask you, what were the circumstances where it finally happened? Like, what were you waiting for? <laughs> Joe. Uh, what? If I, if, maybe it's a sweet story. Maybe it's like I had a girlfriend or, you know, maybe it's like, oh, I was in Aruba. And it's the closest, <laughs> it's the closest thing to any action that Joe's going to get is just hearing someone else's story about getting some action. <laughs> Only ridiculous radio careers have been built on this question, okay? <laughs> I mean, so I, I guess the, I mean, so it wasn't as if I was, you know, aggressively waiting or anything like that. Like it was, um, so I didn't, I just didn't have, uh, you know, a, a social life until I, like, until I was probably, you know, 18, 19 or something. So it was, it wasn't like I had, had it's not like I was like, you know, <laughs> waiting for the one or passing up opportunities left, right, and center or anything like that. Right. Um, and it was basically, I, I mean, 
it wasn't like too uh, too interesting of a story. It was just like you know. I mean, the one thing I guess I'll say is like so it was it was hanging out with a girl, like just like watching a movie at my place. Um, the one thing that I guess is funny is I'm. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Rashomon? Yes. Uh, I have not seen it, but I know the the general uh, format. Kurosawa. I'm probably one of the I'm probably one of the only people in history who lost their virginity watching Rashomon. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I guess that, that might be that might be one of the uh, the noteworthy one of the noteworthy aspects to it, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was just uh, you know nothing uh, nothing too out there besides that. We should Rashomon Mike McDonald's losing his virginity, like tell <laughs> that story a bunch of different ways. I was going to say yeah. I had so much respect for you before, Mike. I have even more respect for you now. <laughs> uh, I have one final question before we get to Joe's game. Yes. Uh, when you were in okay. the Bahamas this year, Mike, you said that you weren't on your A-game. Obviously, you've been setting up your business. I appreciate you're now an entrepreneur as well as a poker player. How are you feeling about your game right now? And what events do you think we'll see you at in 2017? Yeah, so I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little bit better after, um, you know, a combination of, you know, playing a few tournaments at PCA uh, playing, you know, a handful of sessions online, and then also a tournament at Niagara. So I'd say maybe I'm, you know, worked my worked my sort of C game up to my C plus game or something like that. <laughs> um, but I think that basically, uh, so I've I've already won a seat to Panama, so I'm definitely doing Panama. Um, I do Barcelona every year, do uh, Vegas, uh, probably end up doing Monaco. Monaco is that that tournament that every year I decide I don't really want to do Monaco, but you know I've ended up going there every single year. So <laughs> us too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm sure you'll. I mean, you'll you'll probably see me at the you know the vast majority of the the normal major stops. I'm interested to see how sort of the the PSC develops because you know I used to just be like, oh, you know, I usually play EPTs and a few more. Like, I'll, yeah. Now it'll probably be. I'm assuming PSC will become my main uh, my main sort of series nowadays. Yeah, I love the fact that you're still old school. You're still talking about the EPT and the PCA. It's a brave new world now. Exactly. Yeah, I need to. I need to get up on the uh, the lingo of what what tournaments are called these days. I'm just you know becoming that uh, kind of old, outdated guy. Still, uh, still like remembering, uh, still remembering my days on the EPT. Like someone who's like you know remembering their high school football career or something. <laughs> What's well, like the fact that I still refuse to call like the various baseball stadiums by like their corporate sponsor now. I still call it like whatever it was back when it was you know in the 1990s. I know you had something you had to get to. Uh, the game's going to take like around six, seven minutes. You got a few more minutes with us real yeah, quick? Yeah, I've got time. I've probably got like uh, 15 minutes. I'm good. Okay, wonderful. This should be perfect. Now, I noticed, Mike, that even when you're playing online poker, even when you're Twitch streaming, people still notice the famous Mike McDonald stare down still exists. <laughs> uh, I mean, that was that was kind of – that was intentional. I, I just did that uh, – I just did that stare because someone said – they donate a dollar a minute if I stared on break. So I just stared at the lines for like four minutes <laughs> for one break. Even though after this interview, you're going to be famous for the guy who lost his virginity to Rashomon. Before that, you were famous <laughs> for the Mike McDonald stare down. And so I've got a game for you called Stare Crazy, a.k.a. Mass Stare and Commander. Oh, my God. And, uh, God. Just the all, name. All of, all of these questions involve staring or the word stare, but remember, homonyms do count, all right? Okay. And so uh, just some trivia questions. And what I'm going to do is, now that we have two permanent co-hosts uh, alongside myself, is that uh, you may phone a Hardigan or phone a Broughton. You can have two lifelines at any point in the game. All right. All right, here we go. Question number one. 
This Led Zeppelin classic was banned by the guitar store in the movie Wayne's World. In the movie Wayne's World. Stairway to Heaven. Correct. Stairway to Heaven is correct. Question two. This item currently retails for $2,249. That's $2,249 on CardioAddict.com. Stairmaster? That is correct. The Stairmaster for a bonus point with the model number. <laughs> I, I, I could Google it. <laughs> the 7,000 PT. No cheating. Here we go. Question three. This light-footed delight and star of Singing in the Rain was originally named Frederick Austerlitz. Uh... I'm going to call James Hardigan. Well, I'm confused because last time I watched Singing in the Rain, it starred Gene Kelly. Oh, shit. Whatever. You know the answer <laughs> I'm looking for. The answer he's looking for is Fred Astaire, Mike. That's actually what I would have guessed because it's the only person whose name I know of that has Stare in it. But I figured well, I, I wasted I my lifeline. Sorry. No, no, no. I fucked up the question. Uh, sorry, everyone. I'm looking forward to the tweets on that one. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'll keep it to three. Thank you. Uh, question number four. What is the most distinguishing feature of the famous M.C. Escher painting, Relativity? Uh, the staircases leading into each other. Sure, I'll take it. Weird stairs. Question number five. Okay. Cuddly creatures from the 1980s used this ray of light beaming from their stomachs to defeat their enemies and heal their friends. Of the uh, Care Bear stare. Wow, Care <laughs> wow. Bear stare. He got it. He knows his onions. Okay, you may want to oh, yeah. phone a Broughton on this one. The 19, <laughs> this 1970s British sitcom about the trials and tribulations of the Bellamy family and their household staff. What? Um, I'm just trying to think of like what. Uh, what's a show that? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna phone a Broughton. <laughs> Close I, enough. I, I, sure. I, I don't like I don't like the implication that as it's a, a program from the 70s that I would be the only <laughs> one involved in this. But I believe it's upstairs downstairs. Which I'm afraid I'm going to have to point out was not a sitcom, but was actually a drama. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it looked like a sitcom. I was a very, I was a very <laughs> small art. child. I, I never would have gotten that one. Okay, next one up here. All right, you're out of lifelines. Canadian first baseman who made his premiere at the Montreal Expos and went on to hit the most pinch-hit home runs in MLB history. God, here's here's where it's going to come out how little of a sports fan I am. Uh, let me try to think of a baseball player whose name would have a stare in it. Uh, you're doing so well in the game, I'm not going to make you struggle. We're looking for Matt Stairs. Oh, never never heard of that guy. And uh, just one uh, tiebreaker question, which we're not gonna we're not gonna need because I believe you are in the lead, Mike McDonald. However, just uh, just for posterity, uh, in 2011, Australia held a charity staring contest called "So You Think You Can Stare." How long did the contest loser, Stephen Stairmaster Stag, keep his eyes open for? Wow. Uh, is this real? It's tough to it's tough to keep your eyes open long. Like people, I don't know if it's crafty editing by like poker stars or something, but like if you look at me on TV, it looks like I can keep my eyes open way longer than I actually can. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say nine and a half minutes. Nine and a half minutes. You had the under. Uh, the actual time was forty minutes and fifty nine seconds. <laughs> Holy shit! How did that guy's corneas not dry out? <laughs> Man. I don't know, man. Wow. Just his natural a, mutant ability. That's impressive. That's really impressive. Yeah, I mean Mike, that the, guy. That guy should play poker. <laughs> you could wait. We could waste the whole level on the river sometime. Uh, not that it matters because <laughs> it's not necessarily worth anything. But out of eight questions, you got six correct, Mike. All right. Thanks for the help, guys.
You did a great job, Mike. You are impressive. Always a pleasure talking to you, man. And uh, good luck when you go back to Falls View. All right. Thanks for having me on the show. Poker in the ears. You know what we should have done? We should ask Mike McDonald if he, if he could play in our uh, in the home game, in the Poker Stars TV home game. Maybe do a little of his own streaming from that. That might have been fun. Mm. Well, he would have stolen all our viewers. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Speaking of watching shit, how about some TV recap? TV recap. So last week we talked about the best hands of 2016. Uh, we talked about poker controversies. This week's new top five countdown, available to watch now at PokerStars TV, are the top five huge mistakes. Not small mistakes, not medium-sized mistakes, huge mistakes. Now here's the thing guys, because obviously I'm involved in the production of these videos and obviously I do the kind of links in between, I'm kind of a little bit sick to death of watching them and talking about them. So, knock yourselves out. Go for it. <laughs> oh man, what a fucking great excuse. <laughs> Uh, Matt, the first thing I noticed about this actually is James doing his link that he's so exhausted from that he can't uh. talk about it anymore. <laughs> is that he says he says they come from the expanded Poker Stars archives, and yeah. all I can think about is like when we're watching those Marvel movies, and you're like, "Well, this is from the expanded." <laughs> <Marvel movies." laughs> That's a wonderful euphemism for saying, and there's some full talk shows in this one as well. Yeah. And hey. yes, the number one video was a welcome treat from Full Tilt, which we'll get to in a second. Okay, I'll set them up for you, though. First of all, hand number five, the chop pot that never was, Pantaleo versus Lozano. See, for me, it's very hard to have this conversation now because I was watching this and making notes. But because we all think the same, every single little thing I had to say about it was already commented about in the commentary. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So anyone that's watching, uh, when is this actually happening as a, as a real output on the TV? Has this already season. happened? By the but what season, I'm saying, season seven it was right. No, no, no. What I mean is th this this show this is already live and 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 the humans listening to our podcast right now. Well, they already have had the opportunity to see these. Absolutely, this video is out now. Right, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. So if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, that's great. But anyone that's already seen it will probably find that they just nodded at the commentary game. He's absolutely right. Yeah, no, he's absolutely <laughs> right. Here. Because all the all the things that, that James said about you know, well. He doesn't think he's ever going to get called by someone with the same hand because the same hand would be absolutely shit. So, <laughs> so, so of course, when the guy calls, he's lost. But so I kind of don't feel like it's a massive mistake. It is a massive mistake from a what you've lost in this hand. But I think the act of being called and going, oh well, I guess I've lost. That doesn't seem like a dreadful thing to like an assumption to jump to. You mean the the result is worse than the mistake? Like the punishment doesn't fit the crime necessarily? Yeah, I don't think that what he does is like a real, oh my God, what an absolute clown. Because you go, well, how many times are you ever getting called there and you're splitting it and you're splitting it with a jack? It's a, it's a bad, it's a mistake because it's a negative free roll. Like there is no downside to waiting for the other guy to expose his hand. You know what I mean? Like... Yes, you're right, Matt. How many times is he going to be folding a chop? Is he going to be mucking a chop? Not very often, but like, there's no downside to not mucking. Well, unless he thinks there's an upside to no one getting to see the way he's been playing this shitball hand. He might see there's value sure. in, 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 in... If he folds now, everyone might go, wow, I wonder what he had, rather than going, wow, this clown was playing the jack high. This, you know what I there, mean? I, I, I get your point. to that. There's an argument to that. I, I just want to say about this hand, I'd never seen this hand before, or at least to me it was new. And um, 
I kept wondering what the mistake was. I was like, oh, well, that float's kind of questionable. Oh, well, this, <laughs> that jam's kind of questionable. And I was like, man, what was the big mistake? And then he mucks the chop. And yeah. I'm like, oh, oh there it that is. was the mistake. You're waiting for the mistake. Uh, and, then I, and then I was like, oh, this guy's name is Giuseppe Pantaleo. I'm like, how do I not call this guy Joey Pants? And then I finally realized <laughs> it wasn't me doing the commentary. <laughs> 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 uh, hand number four does involve you doing the commentary, Joe. It's another hand from Barcelona. Uh, Neil Farrell against uh, Benjamin Lamprecht, and Farrell finds himself all in and drawing dead. And I think I've spotted the big mistake in this hand. It's how hard Joe is pushing the James Wood joke with his Lady Joe voice. <laughs> is, is that right? Is that the big mistake? You notice the voice as well. How high-pitched are you in this hand? You uh, spoke about was... this. This is before yeah. Joe found his commentary voice. Yeah, you just, you know, you develop your voice over the years, I guess. And, you know, by the time, James, you were doing EPD commentary, you'd already been doing, uh, uh, you know, a lot of on-air work yeah. uh, for years. So I think that you had already d discovered what yours is. But, yeah, when you go back to this or the big game, I sound pretty underconfident, pretty weaselly. You know, <laughs> like now, just with less drinking and smoking involved. Um <laughs> I actually think that if I was going to credit the big mistake in this hand, it's fucking Ollie Price with that weird flop lead. Exactly. That sets the whole thing up where everyone's like, well, I have no idea what's going on. And then they're suddenly trapped in this hand that they don't really <laughs> want to be in, going, well, I, I guess I could be dead. But now, and, you, and again, the commentary is spot on because Joe's like, well, he's getting a good price and just in case. And it's like, you see them trapped because of what Ollie Price does at the beginning of the whole hand. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I did watch this hand again going like, what did... What did Neil call it off with? Did he think he was up against six, seven of hearts? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I guess that's the problem is because of the price and just in case, especially having berated the guy who mucks when he was about to chop a pot with Jack High. You, I guess <laughs> right. to say that there's pro poker players going, well, I guess you never know your luck. It, it's not a huge jump in the imagination. The thing I did love was Neil's fake celebration when the ace comes down. That doesn't yes. help Although I kind of feel like he could have like run around the table and high fived everyone. You could have really milked that to try and get himself back. Got back in the positives on that situation. Uh, now, hand number three, we have to be sensitive over and not being funny before this was released on Wednesday this week, we considered actually swapping out this hand because obviously we have to be very sensitive about what happened in Sweden. And to see Martin Jakobsen <laughs> embarrass himself to this degree is just rubbing salt into the wounds. I mean, the Swedish tragedy that happened last week is probably, I mean, this, I guess, would have to be the number two most tragic thing <laughs> about Sweden this week. Oh, Martin's um, triple barrel bluff gone wrong. And of, and of course, classic Seidel, thank God, classic Seidel starts the whole thing off for us by not showing us his whole cast. <laughs> Exactly, Which, right? Even though it's not really part of what we're supposed to be talking about, it's all it just wound me up. As soon as it started, I thought, for God's sake, Eric, just show us your cards. That was the mistake. Seidel forgot to put his cards on the reader. Okay, next hand. <laughs> uh, I'm fine with going to the next hand. All I have to say about this hand and the last one, they weren't even suited. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> see, see, but the thing is, do you know what? For me, that hand, it felt very familiar because it seemed like that example of where you think, I'm going to have a go at this, and now... Well, I have to keep having a go at this because what sort of a poker player takes takes a shot at a hand and then just gives up? And then before you know it, you're just trapped down this hole going, oh, fuck, what on earth was I thinking? But it's the kind of thing I know I've done live where at that end, when you make that big move, there'll be some guy who calls you and of course you're knocked out of the tournament, but he goes, do you know what? I nearly folded to you there. And I think it's because there's always <laughs> the guy that says that nearly worked. It makes you think, 
one of these days it's going to work. And then it's I'm going, going to, to show work. the hand and I'm going to be like carried out here on the shoulder as a hero. But this time it didn't work either. Uh, hand number two. I always love flashing back to Barcelona in 2012 because I always love the fins in hats. Uh, great antics at that final table. And this is where uh, the eventual winner, Mikhail Pabalt, checks back the nuts on the river. And do you know what? It's only watching it this time that I realised I don't think he even realises what he has until he flips it over. I think he thinks he's got ace high. I agree. I think it's a genuine mistake, mistake. Yes, and I am not a fan of this rule. I never have been. I don't like the rule that if you check back the nuts that you get a penalty. I think people make genuine mistakes, and I think that there are some reasons for checking back the nuts, like if you want to see what the other player's hand is. And I also like to question this rule because it's the only way I ever get to question anything the company does. (laughs) <laughs> without getting in trouble for it. So this is like the one thing I stick to where I get to pretend like I'm critical of our company, but really it's just like a safe thing for me to have a problem with. I, I also really love the, uh, okay, if you could, and if you could just stand here. <laughs> it's like, this This is like really rubbing salt. I just wish it was like, if you could just stand here and just think about what you've done, young man. You just sit here on the naughty step for an orbit. And they're three-handed or something. It's like, you know what? I think maybe context should direct the decision you make here slightly. So here's my question, right? When Hilary Sahami says, who the fuck is this guy? Is he referring to Pabal or is he referring to Robbie? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I also don't know when he says, uh, when Robbie says one round and Hillary goes, one hour. And I'm like, <laughs> does Hillary really want him to have an hour long penalty? Or is that like just an example of Finnish humor? Like, that's hilarious to him. <laughs> a bit to from column A and a bit from column B. <laughs> an hour long penalty when they're fucking three handed. And especially because, like, Hillary, everything I know about him seems like the kind of guy that would prefer to play and not win based on like a dude getting blinded out to him. <laughs> Now, we come to the number one hand in this countdown. All the others, by the way, I find really fun to watch. This one literally makes me shrivel into my chair. It's so painful to watch. So this is the hand. Now, believe it or not, I've never seen this hand. But this is the hand that everyone berates Jennifer Tilly for. Everyone, all those forums, she got so much abuse over this, right? This is the one. This is the one. I thought that what happened in this hand was going to be far worse based on the amount of abuse she's gotten for this. Like, all she does is not bet, right? It's not like she folds. I always thought that Patrick, like, jams River and she folds the full house thinking he has quad kings. No, she checks it back. I mean, arguably, she misses a bet on the turn and she misses a bet on the river. She misses massive value in a cash game with a monster. I mean, Phil Ivey's face, to me, says it all. His jaw is literally on the floor. But also, Eric Linger in his face, it's like everyone's face is just like... Do we do we laugh now, or would that be rude, or do I say something? And it's almost it made me think they're just going like, don't say anything because maybe she'll stay here for a bit longer and give us all of her money. It just it just but Phil Ivy's face is just absolutely priceless. So they like cut to they cut to Ivy with his mouth hanging open. They cut to Lindgren. They think they cut to like Jen Harmon or something too. Yeah, I. I really wanted them to cut to like eight or nine more faces. Like, like, <laughs> like people Abraham aren't even Lincoln. at the table. Yeah, people are at the table. I just cut to that photograph of me going, hmm, with the canopy. Exactly, gormless with his fish supper. <laughs> the funny thing is, I, I haven't seen this this clip in ages, but a long while back, myself and Nick Walthall and Kara Scott, friend of yours from the awards scene, um, <laughs> is that we used to go around doing these boot camps um, and we tend to have like a guest pro like Neil Channing or one of the guys from the UK. And we used to use this clip all the time when we used to do our seminars on body language because the thing I couldn't take my eyes off is the fact for the whole of the hand, 
Jennifer Tilly's breasts are like inflating like a kid's like you know bouncy <laughs> castle. And How did so, I not notice that? Re- honestly, watch it again, and you'll be amazed that you didn't see it because they are literally raising a good ten inches and back down again, and up again, <laughs> and down again. So can you imagine us being at these boot camps, telling a room full of like twenty something lads? By the way, throughout this whole hand, just watch her tits, <laughs> <laughs> and it was. But honestly, watch her breathing; it's fantastic. Me and James were debate, like not debating, but just sort of talking about who to have on as this week's guest. And I noticed that Jen Tilly was involved in one of the hands. And I was like, how about Jen? And James was like, I don't think she'd want to talk about that one. Yeah, I must say there was, I don't know what the period of time was, but I interviewed her a few times in the years after that hand. And you just had to ask her, like, what's the latest on the hand? You know, like, people still asking you about it? Is it still on the forums? It was a bit harsh, but it is an absolute classic. So there are two more top five countdowns to come. Next week, it's the top five table nightmares, which is a fun one. And then the final one, just before we go to Panama, uh, will be the top five WTF moments, which is my personal favourite of all the 16 countdowns that we've released on PokerStars TV. Okay, I'm hoping that one of my favorite moments ends up into the WTF moments. And I don't know if they're necessarily just weird poker moves or other things, but like I told you, I met up with Adam Levy last night. One of my favorite, which I thought might work as a mistake, could work as a WTF, is when in the Bahamas, he manages to drop a chip into his drink. (laughs) And also, but my favorite part is that he can't get it out himself like he calls over like a member of staff why was he not prepared to put his fingers inside his drink (laughs) the only thing i can think of in his defense is that maybe he thought it was kind of like a situation where like you know like if the dice fall off the table in a crap game like you don't want it like you're like hey i don't want to like look shady like i'm pulling chips like maybe he walked in with like a bunch of chips in his drink and he's like, boop, boop, boop. Uh, so maybe spo- he just didn't want to get in trouble. Well, spoiler alert, I'm afraid that's not in any of the countdowns, Fine, but there are, some, I just ruined it. there are some great hands <laughs> coming up uh, and we'll talk about some of those in the next two weeks. But right now on Poker in the Years, it is super fan time. Super fan versus Stakes. Well, this week we welcome to the show from here in London, the capital of the United Kingdom, Mr. Jules Redding. Welcome, Jules. Hello. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Jules, as your, does your name really have a Z and or Z at the end of it, or is that just a typo I made? Uh, it's not a typo. It's uh, it's a nickname that I sort of coined when I was in my teens and couldn't be asked to go through all the, uh, all the rigmarole of changing it to a more conventional spelling. It sucks like when we were kids, uh, our nicknames didn't become online screen names that you were then stuck with for the rest of your life. You could forget about it. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Also, bear in mind that I went to an all-boys grammar school, so the nicknames I was given, I definitely don't want to continue using in adult (laughs) life, especially as on-screen handles. Yeah, and I can imagine... I was just going to say, I imagine James wasn't like leader of the pack at his school, particularly. I, just, I don't think he had like a T-Bird's leather yeah. jacket and, you know, everyone looked up to him. I mean, apart from physically. Something like dry, uh, James Dry Biscuit Hardigan, something along those lines. <laughs> uh, so what's your real name, Jules? Uh, Julian, but nobody calls me that. Okay, Julian, uh, who's your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> um... So I work in uh, in central London uh, doing like filmy type stuff. So actually probably not far from uh, where James is right now, uh, sort of Soho area. Can I get you a headshot? 
Uh, eh? <laughs> I'm looking for other gigs. I'm looking for other gigs. I'm looking for stuff. I'm looking to do other things. Can I get your head check? Can you get me in one of the films? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not particularly high ranking in any kind. <laughs> All of... right, let's start the game. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All you had to do was say, "I do filmy stuff." And did you hear how excited he got? <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you my email. <laughs> what type of filmy stuff, Jules? Uh, so at the moment I'm doing stuff like uh, reversioning foreign language stuff. So um, we do like a lot of sort of big like Disney owned TV programs, and then we get sent audio from like places in Eastern Europe and stuff, and, and have to drop that onto the onto the original video, so uh, people in Hungary can watch their favourite programs. <laughs> do you speak a multitude of languages, or do you just guess that the audio is in the right place? <laughs> Uh, it, it's more guesswork than, than I like to admit. <laughs> oh, which is why in Hungary, Minnie Mouse is a boy. Um, <laughs> so, Jules, what's your poker story? Uh, my poker story is uh, I played a little bit at uni, but not a huge amount. And then um, in the last couple of years, I really got into uh, Only Connect, Vicky Coren Mitchell's TV show, and sort of just kind of the few mentions of poker on there i kind of then went and watched her um her second ept win and then uh yeah and i heard you guys mentioning uh poker school online so kind of went through all that rigmarole and discovered how how little i knew about poker <laughs> and uh yeah i've sort of just kind of been playing some very small stakes stuff since then i guess because you discovered how little we know about poker <laughs> <laughs> So, Jules, tell us what you have chosen as your specialist subject here on Superfan vs. Stapes. I have chosen uh, Scott Pilgrim, the... Uh, I think we're going for the film, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> Thank God. It's always <laughs> yes. a real tense moment when they say, and my chosen subject is the history <laughs> from 1684 to... Oh, my God, I've done it about a film. Right, good choice. An excellent film, by the way. Is it a personal favourite or just one that you happen to have seen a hundred times? It is a personal favourite. I was, I was, because it polarised opinion so much when it first came out. I was kind of not sure whether it was going to be a kind of a wise choice um, in terms of whether I'd have the advantage or whatever. And then last week, when Joe said, uh, Joe said at the end of the show, "Oh yeah, it's a masterpiece," and I was like, "Well, I agree." But also, we're uh -oh. a challenge now. No, no, he no. doesn't remember anything. Surely you've <laughs> realised yeah, that well, by yeah, now. Yeah, and I have not. I have not been able to rewatch this. This is a tough one to get, as you as you said, it's oh. polarizing. It's a tough one to get people to sit down to watch. So uh, we we're we're basing this on the first time I watched the Blu-ray when it came out about five years ago. Oh. See, I have a theory, right? That if we'd had this, where you know, I always tell you, Joe, what's coming up. If I actually had like an exact breakdown of what you've been doing every minute, every hour of the last week, how many slots do you think I'd be able to find where you could potentially watch a film? I mean, lots, because, you know, <laughs> I do things that you probably wouldn't waste your time doing, like, you know, trying to find a girlfriend and or date pretty much every single day. For hours. Oh, definitely for hours. So long. See, now I'm feeling sorry for him. This isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> if I hadn't... It was a lot easier when I had a girlfriend in these. There were like the movie, uh, you know, super fan versus Stace, because I'd be like, hey, like, let's watch this movie. It's kind of a homework assignment. But now, you know, I'm just alone. 
Oh, God. <laughs> start the quiz! Start the quiz! <laughs> Okay, well, as is traditional, we will start with you, Jules. Uh, do you want to, uh, James? You're doing the usual keeping track of the numbers I will, yes. and keeping number of the uh, the scores. Do you want to give me a number between one and ten, please? Well, it's always coming seven. Obviously, well done. Yes. So, uh, Jules, Ramona Flowers has a number of different hair colours throughout the film. For one point, can you tell me which colours? And for a second point, the correct order in which they appear during the film. Oh, they are pink, blue, and green. Correct, correct, and, and correct. And in what order? I'm going to say in that order. You're I think absolutely pink, right. Green. You're absolutely yeah. right. A full two points for the first wow. question. Man alive! Wow, that's 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 impressive. I think Joe might be in trouble here. On a scale <laughs> of one to confident, Joe, where are you right now? I quit. <laughs> <laughs> he swipes left. Okay, Joseph, <laughs> give me a number. Uh, number nine, please. Okay. So, to be able to date Ramona, Scott must fight the League of Evil Exes. How many Exes are there? Okay, well, somehow I, I binked an easy question. Seven Evil Exes. Correct. And there's a bonus attached here. How many Exes are male and how many Exes are female? There is... There are two female exes. I'm afraid there's just one. There's one, right? Just Damn it! I, I, for some reason, I thought the one female evil ex was was twins. No, <laughs> there are there are twins, but that's that's further down the list. Okay, okay. Uh, back to Jules then. A number, please. Uh, three. Okay. The first time we see Scott, he is given an on-screen stat box showing his age and a rating. For just one point, can you give me both? Uh, age 22, rating awesome. Correct. Oh my god. Oh my god. This is after the Pokemon debacle. This is this is this is how quizzes should be. Pick a subject and know something about it. The two important parts of putting yourself forward as a super fan. Joseph, uh, give me a number. Number one, please. Okay. This is my favourite question. Among others, Scott fights exes Lucas Lee and Todd Ingram. Which awesome Marvel vs. DC superhero fight could the two actors involved have? And I'm prepared to give you the actors' names involved if this is a bit too nerdy. Uh, oh, right. One of them was Chris Evans, so that's going to be Captain America. Uh-huh. Oh, man. I guess I'll take the other actor's name. The other actor's name was Brandon Routh. Oh, Superman. Correct. So there's a point there for it. It is a Captain America versus Superman. But there's a bonus. Does he get one point, though? He gets one point for that. There's a bonus point here. If you include TV shows as well as films, which other Marvel versus DC fight could exactly the same actors have? This might be uh, a bit oh, 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 okay. I see what you're saying. Hold yeah, on. Yeah. If you include TV shows, could the actors have... Chris, I can't remember what Both TV actors. show either one, either one of them was on. Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of a clue here. Is the one with Chris Evans is still a movie? I know, but Brandon Routh is also currently playing a different DC superhero. Okay. Well, because Chris, uh, go on. I just it, I, too many hints for me. Just Chris Evans was Jeff the Human James. Torch. Yes, and okay. Brandon Routh is oh, who is it again? He is playing the Atom. 
Yes. He is Ray Palmer in uh, Arrow and uh, DC Legends. Okay. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I, knew so, the, I knew the Human Torch one. I just couldn't come up with the other guy. Okay. Well, so you get a point anyway. By how, the way, at, at the end of the second round, it's 3-2. So it's still a close game. Okay. That's good. Okay, Superfan Jules, uh, give me a number. Uh, two. Two is still available. Okay, this is hardcore. Glad you've got this. The story for the <laughs> film comes from the first of a series of Scott Pilgrim books. Can you tell me the name of that first book? You, you, by the way, you've got a multiple choice option here if you want. It will take you down from two points to one point. Now. I will... I think I'll answer straight up. Is it Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life? Holy shit, it is. Yes. Oh my god. That, so that's, that's a two-pointer right there, James, instantly. Wow. And, oh my god, sorry Joe, there's a bonus one attached to this one. I was hey, just look, expecting I, this to I be had a. Some gimmies. I thought this was going to be a multiple choice that Joe could blag his way through. How many of the six Scott Pilgrim books contributed to the story of the film? How many of the six Scott Pilgrim books? Ah, uh, because uh, they hadn't all been released when the film went into production. Oh boy, he knows this stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna say. Four. Oh, he got one wrong. Yes. Ah. <laughs> it was five. It was the sixth book, Scott Pilgrim's Finest Hour, that wasn't actually finished by the time the film was in production. Holy shit. I got a question. I got a question for Jules. Though. Jules, how do you know all this about the movie from like DVD commentary? Or were you a fan of the books first? Or uh, I had never heard of the film until I saw like a trailer and thought that looks ridiculous and awesome. And I <laughs> did the cinema, cinema, and, and loved it. And then just sort of discovered the comic books after that. And and then just kind of generally fell in love with it and just kept re-watching it because it's yeah i just love it it is it is nice. an awesome film wow uh what numbers have we got still uh, available james four, four five, i'm gonna go with four okay yes, four five six eight and ten okay joseph oh yeah okay at the start of the film scott is dating a girl with an unusual name and a questionable age this is mentioned a lot so it's only one point here but i need both her name and her age she's 15 uh-huh. And her name is Delilah. Do I, I, I do I let I think Jules can probably steal this because we've not really given anything away. You can steal this one. Uh, it's an easy one. I'm guessing for you, Jules. Uh, it's Knives Chow. She's Chinese. Uh, <laughs> and I think she's 17. Correct and correct. Just the yeah. one point. That is though, just right? one point, though. Okay, the, the score is now 6 2. Okay. <laughs> and it's Jules's next question with 5, 6, As 8, and 10 all available. 5, 6, 8, or 10, sir? Uh, 10. Okay. Scott's first fight takes place in a club called The Rocket. What fun detail are we given on screen as we enter the rocket for the first time? And again, you've got multiple choice here if you want to take it from two to one point. I'm gonna gamble. Ooh! I watched this a couple of weeks ago and I wasn't looking at the screen at this, but I did chuckle because I think I remembered what the caption was. And it's, this place is a toilet? Word for word correct. Two yeah. points. <laughs> Holy shit. And there's a bonus. We are so screwed, Joe. Okay, the club, the rocket in the film is a real punk venue in Toronto. What was it called in the books and in real life? at least palace no it isn't it's actually called club rocket rather than the hey. rocket oh yeah like i don't get a chance to steal i was gonna say club <laughs> rocket 
<laughs> Suck my balls. Yes, I was okay. I was definitely going to guess Club Rocket because oh. uh, I thought that it probably had the same name and also I'm thinking of a club sandwich. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll put that point in reserve. If it brings us to a tiebreaker at the end, we'll, we'll introduce that. There's a fun fact. Are you seriously now giving Joe pity points? Yes, I Okay, am. Joe, you get a point. Well done. Uh, incidentally, uh, just a fun fact is Scott Pilgrim creator Brian Lee O'Malley, who originally came from Toronto, described the real Club Rocket as cramped, ugly and terrible, and it closed down in 2005. Learning as well as having fun. Okay, uh, Jules. No, it isn't. It's Joe's, uh, Joe's time. It, it is. Five, six or eight, Joey. Uh, number five, please. Okay, when the first evil ex Matthew Patel is defeated, what does he turn into? You can either go for it for two points or you can have multiple choice for one point. I'll wait. I I kind of have to get. Well, no. Let's just go for one point. Safe face here. Okay. So Matthew Patel is defeated, and he turns into either coins, hearts, pixels, or diamonds. Oh, it's coins. It is coins for a point. There's a bonus here. Can you tell me how much is Matthew Patel worth in coins? So it's always coming seven. No, it's. Uh... I don't know if I can offer this over to Jaws. I think he's got enough points. It was $2.40. Okay, so this must be uh, Jules's last question, I guess. Final question, six yes, or eight. Yes, it was seven, but it was in a, and it was a seven uh, d Greek dinars, which uh, is Joe, to Joe, you, you've already had one pity point. You're not going to get a second. <laughs> I don't want a pity point. I want, like, a creativity point. <laughs> I actually nice wouldn't idea. have got that one, but I would have remembered. Yeah, suck it, Jules. Less it was than the bus fare that Scott needed. Exactly. Oh, wow. That's why it felt like a fair <laughs> question to us. Okay, you've got six or eight there, uh, Jules. I will take six. Okay, when Scott earns the power of love, what appears in his chest? And again, you can have a straight answer for two or multiple choice for one. It is a sword. Can you be a bit more specific for me, Jules? Ooh. Um, is the handle of the sword which he has to pull out from his chest? And... Anything you can tell me about the sword, particularly. <laughs> it has a heart on its handle. You're just making this shit up now, aren't you, Jules? <laughs> um, it's actually a flaming sword. Oh. Which I... Not enough detail. Not enough detail. <laughs> Should have gone for the multiple choice. We're just being harsh because it's such a complete shellacking. So that must leave us. There's only one question left question to Joe. Scott's band start every song with Kim the drummer shouting what? One, two, three, four. Jules. Uh, we are sex bob -omb. And then something else. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Correct. It is the we are sex bob -omb. There is a bonus point, though, for Joe. Can you spell sex bob -omb? And I'm looking for the abbreviation. Wait, the entire thing? Sex babom or just the babom part? Sex babom. I'm pretty sure you can spell the word sex. I'm just. I'm just. Yes. S E X. That's good. That's half a point. B O B O M B. I tried to give you a clue with the abbreviation. It's B O B hyphen O M B. Uh, Sorry, Joe, just the half point there for the word sex. Wow, which, which I means... think was a gimme. <laughs> <laughs> which means Jules has won the game by a margin of 10 points to four and a half. Holy shit. Congratulations, Jules. You certainly do know this movie, and that will earn you, and everyone loves a chop pot hoodie, plus a $27 satellite ticket. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for I... coming on the show. That's quite all right. It was a pleasure. Thanks for sucking at this. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Okay, everybody, we're winding down almost out of time for this week's show. Coming up next week, we will have the results of the American Poker Awards. Do you think we will be able to speak to anyone who received an award on next week's show? Uh, yeah, probably someone who receives an award can be on next week's show. I, I, that's not me, but we'll get somebody. <laughs> I'm sure. I've got a feeling that James hadn't even considered that possibility. Sorry, yeah, I feel no. really bad now. I'd actually forgotten you were nominated. Oh, oh come, are you serious? So I thought, oh, James is like TV. No, no, no. He thinks I'm going to win an award. That's why I had to say it, because I thought that might seem like a troll, but I could see from the blank, gormless <laughs> look on his face, he'd forgotten that that actually might include you. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. I mean, every day I see a tweet saying that Joseph Stapleton, I don't know when you became Joseph, uh, is nominated for an American Poker Award, so it should be very much... It was a nickname at school, and it just stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Also coming up next week, more top fives. We've got the top five table nightmares. And Matt Brout is going to bring us some details on the Rosvadov, the bonus Rosvadov live stream. And uh, should we should we tease who your co-host is going to be or should we just leave that for next week? There is no way in the next seven days that that co-host doesn't talk about it himself on social media. So you might as well tell him now. It's your friend of mine, Lee Jones. That's right. 48 hours of Matt and Lee. Big horse on the mic. <laughs> That is big horse to you. All right. Looking forward to hearing more about that next week. Until then, for James Hardigan and Matt Broughton, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.